Welcome into the Hard Count, the people's show for every single thing that you know and love about this beautiful game that happens here every single day. Last day of the transfer portal, the very last day. By the time you're watching this, in fact, for those of you that aren't tuned in live with us right now, for those of you that are, thank you. For those of you that are not, the portal is likely closed. The first window, that is. There's a second window coming here in the very near future after spring ball, after you find out where you stand on the depth chart, after the spring game, all that then there will be another opportunity for you to test the waters. But before all that, we got a lot to talk about. Jim Harbaugh put an absolute exclamation mark on Leo DiCaprio's season. And I call it Leo DiCaprio's season because all of us know of the scene where Jordan Belfort tells the company, hey, listen, I'm not leaving. Everyone thought he was leaving. Turns out he's not. Same thing for Jim Harbaugh. And we'll talk about that in just a second and give you our thoughts and our feelings about that one. But it has been a wild Leo DiCaprio season. Spencer Rattler, another name that decided he wants to run it back. Juice Wells from South Carolina, along with him, decides he wants to run it back. Blake Corum, he said run it back. So this could prove to be, in my opinion, one of the most impactful Leo DiCaprio seasons we've seen in a very, very long time. So Jim Harbaugh, not leaving, going to break that one down for you. Next quarterback up at Ohio State, C.J. Stroud, did not partake in Leo DiCaprio's season. Hard to blame him. NIL, I'm sure, is very lucrative for him currently in Columbus, but the reality is the NFL money is pretty good, too. Actually, it's really good. In fact, it's so good that it's too much to pass up for someone in C.J. Stroud's position. So you got two five-stars, Devin Brown and Kyle McCord from the 2022 and 2021 class, guys that can sling the rock. We're going to take an early look at that quarterback battle. Heck, I'm going to go so far as to give you my pick in that quarterback battle. Talk to some folks around that program today. Got a feel for it. It's not set in stone, but I got a feel for who I think will come out of that one and just break down Ohio State as a whole as it pertains to their next quarterback. The Honest Look series continues. Y'all have been phenomenal supporting that, so we're going to continue doing it. Auburn, next on the docket. Got to take a look at what's going on down there in there, Auburn, Alabama. Hugh Freeze is taking over the reins of that program. Can they get back to being a program? Now, you know how we feel about program versus program. I had uh, someone actually in my mentions last night talking about the differences. And Auburn last year wasn't bowl eligible. Did not have the year that a lot of people down there had hoped they would have. Brian Harson included. So... Shifting the focus now to 2023, can they get back to being a program, get back to being successful, get back to what they expect in Auburn, Alabama? With their resources and with how much they put into it, they have a right to expect more. And I think there's going to be more resources allocated towards Auburn here in the very near future. We'll give you our thoughts on that. Then finally, Quinn Ewers, first year in the saddle. Dude had all the hype in the world coming into this season after he transferred from Ohio State to Austin, Texas, won the job in fall camp, and there was a lot of buzz around him going into the year. Let's take a look at the report card for him. Mixed opinions across the board. I have my own opinions. I'll give you those as we wrap this thing up. Then the very best thing we do, you join the party. If you're not yet following me on Twitter, at J.D. Pakel, that is currently the medium. We are taking your thoughts, feelings, questions, concerns, your objections even. We're taking them there on my Twitter page. Also, follow me on Instagram because we do content on my Instagram page, also at J.D. Pakel, that we don't do anywhere else. Not a lot of time to waste. We got to go no huddle, no mercy here. College football, don't take a break, man. I don't know how to tell you this. A lot of other folks are now leaving for vacation. We love that. 
However, college football is not leaving for vacation. So neither are we. We appreciate you tuning in live with us. Let's get after it, man. No time like the present. Let's get after it. Jim Harbaugh went full Leo DiCaprio, said, I'm not leaving. And this is a, a big day in Ann Arbor, right? This is a very big deal for that entire community, for the university, for the team. It's a big day. A lot of storylines, a lot of headlines. That's great. What does this mean for the future? What can we expect? The first thing for me is you went from unfinished business conversation to now being fully in unfinished business mode. Right now, across the country, a lot of teams are doing their winter conditioning, which is quite frankly where you pay your dues to be a college football player. I've been a part of it, not fun. A lot of people are tapping out right around this time. A lot of heavy weights, a lot of agility drills. You turn up the intensity quite a bit during winter conditioning. And for Michigan, with all of the players they have coming back, Cornelius Johnson, Michael Barrett, Blake Corum, to have your head coach back in the fold now, the intensity in those workouts, I would estimate, will be through the roof. A lot of juice right now in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and for good reason. And the reason why this is so impactful to me, you look at the build for Michigan these last few years. A lot of naysayers, a lot of critics around Jim Harbaugh. I'm not going to exclude myself from that group. I was one of them saying, I don't know, man. I, modern college football looks a little bit different than the system you're running right now in Ann Arbor. They just continue to build, continue to chip away. And the last two years have gotten over the hump. You beat Ohio State, not once, but twice. Make the college football playoff in back-to-back years. Establish yourself as an elite-tier program in the entire country. And so for Michigan, looking to the future, it is national championship or bust. We've won the Big Ten a couple years. We beat Ohio State. That's fine. Those are still goals for us, but we want a national title. That is it. Mic drop, the end. We'll take the other hardware along the way. We'll take all the individual accolades. We'll take another Joe Moore award if we can get it. We want the big one. And to bring Jim Harbaugh back into the fold, I think just helps you feel much more confident about doing that. Because listen, Michigan, with all the players they had coming back, maybe they knew a little something about Jim Harbaugh coming back, but all the talent they were going to have on this roster, they were going to be a good football team. They were going to be a good football team. I feel very, very confident in feeling like they're going to play Ohio State the last game of the regular season undefeated. Ohio State might be undefeated too. Could be pretty high stakes, like we saw this year in Columbus. They were probably going to be undefeated going into that game. However, the common denominator in Michigan's success the last two seasons has been Jim Harbaugh. You've had different coordinators. You've had different quarterbacks. Jim Harbaugh was the key piece, the most notable piece, that is, that got you past Ohio State twice and into the college football playoff. Him coming back says a lot about what he thinks about Michigan and I believe what they're capable of going forward. If you're not yet subscribed, we'd love to have you. Follow me on the social channels, at Judy Pacquiao on Twitter and on Instagram. But this platform, the hard count on the On3 YouTube channel, this is where we do the majority of our content. So make sure you're subscribed. We're not leaving you hanging this offseason, okay? College football doesn't really take an offseason, so we don't either. Thank you in advance for that. Do you understand how much Jim Harbaugh is, is leaving behind? Like, I, I know you do, but other people, 
that are on the outside looking into this thing. A lot of people that just sort of follow the sport here and there and check the Twitter feed. Jim Harbaugh, with the way that college football is trending, is leaving behind potentially a better quality of life, a spot where it looked like his heart was in for many times, going back to the NFL where his brother coached. I mean, like th there's a lot that I think he's leaving on the table. It felt for a long time like his heart was in the NFL. But because of what Michigan's capable of and because of what they expect to do in the future, I think that was a big reason that brought, that brought him back. I really do. And this time, it feels, it feels different to me. Because last time, last year that is, he was pretty open about wanting the Vikings job. He was, I mean, that was the job that it sounds like he would have taken should he have gotten offered that job. This time around, per ESPN's Adam Schefter, he reached out to the Broncos and said, hey, here's the deal. Stand at Michigan. I don't know if an offer was on the table. I don't know if he talked to them and, and had a conversation about, well, if we offered it, would, we, would you take it? I don't know how far along that was, but he told them in some way, shape, or form, no, I'm a Michigan man. I'm staying at Michigan. That means something. I think that's very, very interesting because now Michigan, like I said before on this program, they have a lot of momentum. Like last year they had momentum too, but it got stopped and you had to kind of reset and get new coordinators. They have momentum carrying from last year into, the, into this next year, and I think that's going to make them dangerous. I really do. I very, very much do. I also think that Jim Harbaugh would have gotten offered an NFL job. I do think that would have eventually been on the table if it wasn't already. But he says, no, we got unfinished business. I want to run it back one more time. I don't think it's just one more time, though. Jim Harbaugh doesn't say one more time, but you hear what I'm saying here. Another season. I feel like what's happening right now with Jim Harbaugh saying, I'm coming back and I'm going to be the head coach, I don't think we're going to see this as a reoccurring thing, as some people might believe it to be. Because you can only test the water so much until it hurts recruiting long, long term, until it hurts the internal feel in that locker room. I don't think that Jim Harbaugh is going to do this every single year. And I think Michigan, getting him back, is going to push very hard to make that a reality. Now, what that could look like, could look like more resources, more support in the NIL field as college football is changing. I also think that we are going to see in the very near future a few more dollars worth coming towards Jim Harbaugh because the NFL's got good money. College football's got really good money too, and Michigan is going to put that forward to say, Jim Harbaugh, we want you here. We want you here long term. As far as all of the relational things within the administration and, and Jim Harbaugh in Michigan, I'm not going to speculate too much at the end of the day. Call a spade a spade. Jim Harbaugh's coming back. And I don't think he's going to flirt too much with the NFL in the coming years. Now, hear what I'm not saying. I am not saying he will never be an NFL coach again. I'm not saying this is it. This is it forever. He's staying in the collegiate ranks. I hope that's the case. I would love that. But I don't know if that's 100% true. But for the foreseeable future, for the next few years, I do believe Jim Harbaugh will be very firmly the head coach of the Michigan Wolverines. And for 2023, the expectations are no longer just beat Ohio State, just win the Big Ten. A few years ago, that would have been cool. A few years ago, that's great. We're happy with it. That's awesome. Now it's, we want to do that. That's the price of admission. And we want to win a national title.
and you got the guys to do it. And you have your head coach that I think is very capable of getting it done. This should be a whole lot of fun. We'll keep an eye on that, of course. But again, Jim Harbaugh, just adding some juice to Leo DiCaprio's season, man. It's a special thing. Closing out here pretty soon, but uh, put an exclamation mark on that thing. That's for sure. Ohio State got some news yesterday. C.J. Stroud said, thank you so much, Ohio State. I'm going to take my talents to the professional ranks. And nobody can blame him. There was a lot of smoke for a little bit there about could he come back for one more year? Could they make the NIL attractive enough for him to come back to Columbus for just one more go around, win a national title? Can, can we get that done? Listen, the NFL, the money is very good. You know that. I know that. C.J. Stroud knows that and will know that firsthand here in the very near future. I think everyone in Columbus wishes him well. But then your sights turn to the current quarterback room at a Columbus the current quarterback room at Ohio State. And for all of the talk around how great C.J. Stroud is and was for Ohio State, I'll just say this. You have two cats in Kyle McCord and Devin Brown who have a combined total of 10 stars to their name. To their names combined, I suppose. Bottom line, you got talent in the room. Who's going to be the quarterback at the end of the season? Who's going to be the quarterback day one is really what we want to talk about. The timeline for this, the expected timeline for this, in my mind, is somewhere around fall camp. And that's not so much to just keep depth. Maybe that's a part of it. Probably doesn't hurt that you bolster depth if you keep both guys in your roster through fall camp. But if we're using history as our teacher, Justin Fields was the obvious answer to be quarterback one for Ohio State in 2019. Like, it was a foregone conclusion. Transfer from Georgia, he's going to be your guy. He's going to start game one. Everybody knows that. Even in the locker room, I'd venture to say people knew that. However, didn't name him the starter until August, until fall camp. Ryan Day kind of lets this thing run. 2021, C.J. Stroud, it's his job. We would all be wildly surprised if he does not get named the starter in 2021. Ryan Day waits it out wants to see him finish through the line, so to speak, metaphorically, for Ohio State and, and into fall camp. Doesn't name the start of the fall camp. So what I'm telling you is it may not just be totally a depth play. It might be a thing where you want to see both of these guys push each other, push their teammates, and push the competitive needle forward throughout fall camp. Even if it feels obvious to somebody at some point in time, I don't think we'll get a real answer as to who's going to be the starting quarterback until fall camp. Think about it this way. If you're blindfolded running a race and you have no idea where you stand in that race, you are going to run hard the entirety of that race. That's just the reality. And same thing for the guy next to you. If he's blindfolded, he's running as hard as he can forward because he can't afford to take his foot off the gas. He can't afford to stop for a second or maybe jog it out through the line. You're going to get the best out of each other. And I think that's the strategy here. If you're not subscribed, would love to have you. Got a lot of content coming for you. College football is a 365-day-a-year sport. We're grateful that we get to have this show with y'all because of that. We don't take breaks. So make sure you're locked in. Make sure you're subscribed. We got a lot of content coming for you, like I already mentioned. Also, follow me on Twitter and on Instagram, at Judy Paquel. Stay up with everything we're doing here. We appreciate y'all. Let's break down these quarterbacks' game a little bit. You got Devin Brown, 
from the 2022 class, number one player overall per Charles Power, our director of scouting and rankings at on three. 97 overall grade, number five quarterback in the class, 6'2", 196. You got Kyle McCord, 97.08. So if you want to be stingy there, you can say, well, Kyle McCord's .08 better. Bottom line, both really good quarterbacks. He's a top five quarterback as well in the class. A little bit bigger, six foot three, two fifteen. Some of that could be attributed to the fact that he's been in a college weight room longer as he's class of 2021. When you watch Kyle McCord, sample size is pretty small. He's got one start under his belt, let it up in that one start. Talking to people close to that program, the word that keeps coming up is gunslinger. And that's not a negative thing. People say gunslinger and they associate it with interceptions and being irresponsible with the football. I don't know if that's Kyle McCord. I don't think it is, but that wasn't the way they used it to describe him. His first pass in front of the public eye, so to speak, was a 60-yard bomb in the spring game to Garrett Wilson. He's going to push the ball. He's going to push the needle vertical for Ohio State. And with all of the weapons they have in this offense, that might not be such a bad thing. You have basically all of your receivers coming back. I say basically because Jack Smith and Jigba, unfortunately, wasn't really active throughout the course of the year. You're going to have a guy that's that's wanting to capitalize on all of the talent they have on the outside. So that's Kyle McCord. Devin Brown, here's the reality. There's no sample size on him. Haven't seen much of him. We're going to watch him really closely this spring. What we do know is true is he has immense talent. Charles Power, like I already said, had him as the number one player in the entire class of 2022. That is a very prestigious honor. I'll just say this, Charles Power, best in the game. When it comes to scouting, when it comes to rankings, he is the best in the game. Both these guys were number five consensus quarterbacks in their class across all the services. But Charles Power, again, someone I trust with my life, had Devin Brown as the number one player in the entire class. Really was impressed by how live his arm is at the high school level. A guy who can make all the throws, a guy who is not going to lack for ability. Extremely, extremely talented player is Devin Brown. So I'm excited to watch his spring. And I think that will be very, very intriguing, as I'm sure the rest of you are intrigued by that as well. What does Ohio State need from these guys? Whether it's Kyle McCord under center, whether it's Devin Brown in shotgun, who do they need? What do they need to get to where they want to go? Because remember, the standard hasn't changed. There's no, you lost to Michigan twice, that's okay. We'll figure it out. It's no, we, we beat Michigan around here. Okay, that's the standard. We win national titles around here. That's the standard. It's a high standard, but if you didn't want to live up to it, you wouldn't come to Ohio State. You wouldn't come be a Buckeye. You know what you signed up for. What do they need to reach that standard? Like I said, just about every weapon's coming back. Outside of Jack Smith and Jigba, you're going to have Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Ibuka, Trevion Henderson, Mayan Williams, Chip Trainum. You're going to have some guys. So, as a whole... The Ohio State offense is a Ferrari. You let a Ferrari rev the engine. You let that thing go 110 miles down the highway, wear your seatbelt. You don't go throwing interceptions. You don't go being careless with the football, but you're going to let that thing run. You're going to let that thing go. So you need someone who's going to be able to manage that Ferrari. Is it going to be too much horsepower? Is it going to be something that overwhelms you? Because at that exact same time, with all the weapons you have coming back, you lose a little bit on the offensive line. 
both your tackles will be gone to the NFL. So I think experience here does play a factor. And for that reason, got to know what you're looking at. Got to be comfortable in the system. Got to be comfortable going through your progressions. Kyle McCord, to me, if the season started tomorrow, would get the keys to the offense. Most experienced in the system by a year. Still a very long time, honestly, in terms of developing college, uh, digesting a college playbook. Also, in talking to the people close to Ohio State, he was one of the leaders of this 2021 recruiting class. That means something. How you handle yourself, how your teammates view you, that means a lot, especially at the quarterback position. So from the experience to the leadership, probably doesn't hurt that he was also Marvin Harrison Jr.'s high school quarterback. There's some chemistry there with your most explosive weapon. I think it's Kyle McCord's job to lose is what it sounds like, but they're going to let these guys battle in the spring now. Do not be surprised at all if we have a conversation here in the very near future on a live show in sometime in the spring post-Ohio State, and we're saying, man, it was only a spring game. You see Devin Brown light it up. Bottom line, two five-star players, no bad options at Ohio State. Like I said, it's a luxurious question mark if you're a Buckeye fan. To me today, I'd pick Kyle McCord. They're going to let these guys get after it. Very, very excited to watch that one go down. Ohio State, just offensive weapon you is what it feels like, man. Very, very good. Very, very good. All right, here we go. The Honest Look series continues. Taking a look at a lot of different programs. We're going to continue to take a look at a lot of different programs. I think we need to take an honest look at the Auburn Tigers. Because last year, it was frustrating, to put it lightly. I mean, you talk about what you had hoped your season would be. It, it got off to a rocky start. You, you fire Brian Harsh, you make a bowl game. Help is on the way. Hugh Freeze is a guy who is obviously going to be your head coach, knows how to win, knows how to win in the SEC, recruit in the SEC, and guess what? He's beat Nick Saban. Not a lot of folks can say that same thing. It's a pretty impressive credential to have. We move forward. Right now, the roster at Auburn is under construction. In 2021, you had the 21st-ranked recruiting class, eighth in the SEC. In 2022, the 16th best recruiting class, sixth in the SEC. Having a top 25 recruiting class, a lot of schools would be happy with. The issue is who you're finishing behind in the SEC just continues to hurt Auburn. That's great that you had the top 17 class. You had a number 16 class. That's great, but you're behind, insert school here, A&M, Alabama, Georgia, like all the schools that you're going to have to play on a somewhat consistent basis, you are behind on the roster from a talent standpoint. And Hugh Freeze, in my opinion, and so far understands it's a talent acquisition game, especially in the SEC. Right now, the time of us being live, they have the number two transfer portal class, according to the on three team portal rankings. And taking 12 transfers, six of them on the offensive or defensive line, so they're building the trenches. But the reason why this is so important in the SEC is because everybody's got dudes. Like, no knock on the Big Ten West, but in the Big Ten West, you all are recruiting right around three or four stars, maybe some 
you know, maybe a, the occasional five-star. You, you all have virtually the same caliber of football player. In the SEC, everyone's got five-stars. Everyone's got big dogs that can eat and like to eat greedy. Auburn has not had as many of those. So they're going to the portal to go and rev that engine, to go and rebuild and rebuild quick, fast, in a hurry, because now you can do it with the portal. Now you don't have to wait three or four cycles to get all your guys in. You still want to build at the high school level, but if you can revamp through the portal, that's key. That's key, and that's going to be key to Auburn's success in 2023. So expect them to continue to be active as this second wave of portal activity opens up. I really do think we're going to see Auburn continue to go on offense there. Offense, no pun intended. I think the offensive line will be a big point of emphasis for them as the transfer portal continues to sort of process as we see more guys jump in the portal post-spring. I think that'll be a place that Auburn continues to look. So keep an eye on that. You say, why well, need to have the offensive line in shape? Well, the quarterback position, for me at least, is very curious. Talk about that in a second. If you're not yet subscribed, would love to have y'all here. Okay, one of my buddies hit me up and said, we need to see an Auburn honest look. Said, okay, we're making it happen. It's y'all's show. DM me, at me on Twitter, whatever it is. We want to do more of what you want to see. We can do that even better if you're subscribed. So thank you in advance for that. Also, follow me on Twitter and on Instagram, at JDPakel. Like I said, I'm a little bit curious about the quarterback position at Auburn. Robbie Ashford is likely going to be the guy going into next year unless you get a transfer. We'll talk about that in a second. 2022 numbers for Robbie Ashford leave something to be desired. Seven touchdowns passing, seven rushing, seven interceptions, 49% completion percentage. That's troubling to me. That shows me that you're not consistently accurate with the football. Just kind of the way that I'm looking at it here. The staff really likes him, though. Hugh Freeze, a quarterback whisperer, has a track record of being successful with quarterbacks with a skill set like Robbie Ashford, kind of that dual threat, that slasher. He's shown he knows how to work with that. And like I said, all the buzz coming out of Auburn, Alabama, is that they feel good about him. So how much of a leap can he take under Hugh Freeze? How much more can you get out of Robbie Ashford? Because I don't think it's fair to make a, a judgment call on Robbie Ashford from a small sample size of one year under what was just a dumpster fire of a season. Like, they had some, some great moments, and Robbie Ashford's a good player, but it's hard for me to get a great feel for what he's going to be as a quarterback for Auburn based on last year. The second thing I would say there is what are your expectations for 2023? Do, do you want to win eight games? Do you want to win 10 games? What do you expect from this team? And I think your expectations then go hand in hand with how you feel about Robbie Ashford. The sample size is small. But even with that being said, I don't know that Robbie Ashford's winning you 10 games next year. I'd love to be wrong. They probably need to build more out around him. But based on what I saw, 10 games would be a stretch. Now, winning eight games, I think Robbie Ashford can do that for you. I really do. A lot of this is dependent on what's around him, but I do think eight games is realistic. Needs some help on defense, but I don't think it's out of the question. Auburn has not, to this point, of us being live with the transfer portal closing tomorrow, taken a transfer quarterback. And 
The reason why that's confusing to me just a little bit is because with all of the things that we just talked about that they don't have on the roster, all of the talent they don't have in-house right now, they're still acquiring and they're going to revamp it and get it going. They're going to rebuild that house. But right now, they don't have it. So how do you account for that? How do you even the playing field? You go and get a stud quarterback. Is Robbie Ashford that? He might be. But why not get somebody else in the portal to push the, the needle forward, to, to push him forward from a competition standpoint? I'm confused by it so far. I would keep an eye on the quarterback position. Whether he's going to be your starter or not day one, I don't know. But at least go and get somebody for the spring part of your, or excuse me, for fall camp to, to help the competitive level, to, to have somebody else on that roster to help you if he does go down. And we're, we hope that doesn't happen, but injuries are part of the game. It's good to have some sort of built-in insurance in your room, in your depth chart. So that was confusing to me. We'll see if they address that in the offseason, I guess in fall season, post post Spring season, keep an eye on the quarterback position. They like Robbie Ashford, would be confused if they don't add somebody else to the mix there. So we've given an honest assessment here so far, and I don't want to sound like I'm down on Auburn because I am not down on the Auburn Tigers. I think you've got the right head coach, and I think the fact that you're Auburn, quite frankly, the fact you have the resources, the branding, you're in the SEC, there's so much Auburn has going for them to where they could flip it here, I think, pretty quickly. How quickly? I don't know. But I think the future at Auburn is very bright. Because right now in college football, what works for you is talent acquisition. And talent acquisition requires NIL. I say right now in college football, always in college football. That's the way it's been. You get good players, you have a really good chance to win a lot of games. And what's frustrating about Auburn is if you're a fan, you know they've had the ability to be successful. It's never been a matter of can they. It's a matter of will they. And it felt like during the Brian Harson era, the mechanism just wasn't working. I say mechanism, the relationship or the working relationship, whatever it was between Brian Harson, Auburn administration, Auburn powers that be with the boosters, they weren't synced up. They weren't pushing the same direction. That's unfortunate, but it's like trying to pedal a bike with the chain off of the pedal. You know what I'm talking about. Whenever the, the chain falls off the, the pedal and, and you're just pedaling as hard as you can, but guess what? If it's not linked up to the chain, the wheels aren't going to move, y'all. The mechanism's not going to work correctly. You're not going to go anywhere. It's going to be frustrating. That's what it's felt like for Auburn throughout the course of the last however many months. Now, I believe they have corrected that. They put the chain back on the pedal. They got things working in the right direction. It takes a second but it's like riding a bike. You got the right leadership. You have the right resources. Push them the same direction. Auburn could flip this thing quickly. In the world of college football, it is impossible to speak in terms of absolutes because you're dealing with the variants of 18 and 22-year-olds. It's just the way that it is. And so Auburn could flip it very quickly. Got to continue to be active in the transfer portal and be excited about Robbie Ashford or swing big and find a way to get another big-time player in the transfer portal for your quarterback spot. Again, that to me is married to what are your expectations. Robbie Ashford could be great. I think Hugh Freeze gives him the best chance to be successful. So we'll keep an eye on that. But again, the future at Auburn is very, very bright. Currently under construction, 
But if it's one thing that Auburn has, it's resources, and it is an effort to push their program forward. So I'm very excited to see that. Again, I think Hugh Freeze, as a football coach, was the right hire for them. So we'll keep an eye on that. That's Auburn, man. How about that? That's a, that's a great – that's been a lot of fun through the honest looks. One of my buddies, Jack Singley, like I said, hit me up, direct message, and said, we need an Auburn honest look. said, yeah, we do. So let me know whether it's the comment section, whether it's my direct messages. Let me know what other programs you want us to take an honest look at. Done a few already. Just did Auburn. But, uh, yeah, let us know. Let us know. All right, I'm going to take a little drink here for those that's not podcast. All right. We're going to keep on rolling here, baby. Thank you for everyone who's tuned in live. Thank you for everyone who has been listening via podcast right now and puts up with every single time that I take a sip of electrolytes. We appreciate you. We're on Apple. We're on Spotify. Wherever you get your podcast, you can find the hard count. So thank you for that. One more segment. Then I want to get into your questions and hear from you. Bring on Nick Break, keeper of Q here, here in just a few minutes. It's report card season. You know it and I know it. After the school year, after the season, you come home, you rip open that envelope, and you see how you did. And there was potentially no student with greater pressure on him than a young Quinn Ewers, who had his first year as a starter as the quarterback, the University of Texas at Austin. And to be honest, there was a lot of times that Quinn Ewers flashed. Like, you saw enough of the brilliance of Quinn Ewers to keep you coming back, to keep you optimistic. The first quarter of the Alabama game, we were all ready to give him the Heisman Trophy. Nine for 12, 134 yards. He's lighting it up. Everybody in DKR is saying, we might just beat Alabama. One thing leads to another. He's unable to finish that game, breaks your heart. You know, the verdict will still be out on that forever on if Texas could have got it done that day. The Red River. 21 for 31, 289 yards, four touchdowns. To me, he won his parking spot in that kind of game. Like, that was the game where he was absolutely slinging the pill. And not just wide open guys. He wasn't just hitting guys streaking out the sideline with nobody around him. He was fitting it in windows. He was singing up on timing routes. He was getting off his first read to his second read. Like, he was magic in that game. Second half of the bowl game. They don't have either running back playing. Hey, Quinn, we're going to need to throw it a lot. You cool with that? Great. 31 for 47, 369 yards. So you see what I'm saying here? There's a lot of good to draw from. There's a lot of positive things you take away having seen Quinn Ewers play this past season. He's got a lot of juice. He had such buzz coming into the collegiate level for him after foregoing his senior year of high school, one of the highest rated recruits of all time. So much pressure on this kid, especially with the NIL world but you saw him deliver on why there was so much hype. You, you said, oh, that's why he was as highly touted as he was. That's why he got all those stars. So that made sense. Really quickly, if you're not yet subscribed, would love to have you all here. We do content every single day. We're live on Tuesdays, as we are right now. We're live on Thursdays, 1 Central, 2 Eastern. Come rock with us. We will have an absolute blast. So thank you in advance for that. Also, follow me on Instagram and on Twitter at J.D. Pakel, a great medium for us to hear from you and involve you into this show. I always say it's the people show. So with that being said, I want to hear from the people. With all the good, you still saw some inconsistency. 
Oklahoma State game, 19 for, 19 for 49, three interceptions, 17 for 39 against TCU at home. And going into the year, what did you know about Quinn Ewers? Not what did you think, not did you think what could be true, not was, what was your expectations, what did you know for a fact about Quinn Ewers? Very talented. Would be surrounded by a lot of young talent. Had around seven of his 11 guys on his offense were underclassmen. And you knew that Texas was an operation he'd be stepping into that was five and seven the year before, and he was going to have his work cut out for him. But you knew he was very talented as a first-year starter. At the end of the year, what do we know? He's really talented. That was confirmed. There was nothing about Quinn Ewers on the field where we saw, hmm, I think that might have just been a camp thing. Hmm, maybe at the high school level that works. I don't know if the talent really translates. We saw the talent translate. But he was in a very difficult position. I'm not excusing the performances. I'm not excusing what I saw on the field. That was lackluster at times. But I'm just saying, what you thought about Quinn Ewers going into this year, I think all of it still holds up. Texas was a 5-7 and seven team a year ago. You won three more games and played for a bowl game that you ended up losing in, but you still won eight games. Like, let's not blow this whole thing out of proportion. So for those that are out on Queen Ewers, I would say, why? Well, there were times where he missed a lot of throws. Yeah, he had a couple of freshmen playing on his offensive line. Also, it was his first year being a starting quarterback. Okay, I understand that. But, like, is there someone else on your roster you'd rather go to? Is there somebody else out there who you believe gives you a better chance that's available? I tend to think not. So, with Quinn Ewers, he's just got to have, I think, a little more time before we... we, we give an opinion on him that's solid. You just don't know yet on this guy. You don't know. He was supposed to be a high school senior. His freshman year of college is supposed to be a true freshman last year when he was starting for Texas. So to have a, a made-up mind about Quinn Ewers, I think, is just a little bit knee-jerky. The honest look for me about Quinn Ewers, you went from 5-7 and seven to 8-4 and four with seven of your 11 guys on offense, like I said, being underclassmen. Let it bake. Give it some time. My final grade on Quinn Ewers as it pertains to the 2022 season, give him a B plus. You went eight and four. I'll give you a B plus. Your first time ever starting in a conference that was just absolutely wild. You beat the Big 12 champions in Kansas State. Didn't have a great game, but you looked like you had a chance to beat TCU at different times throughout that game. And TCU played for a national title. At the very least, they were in your conference. You had to play them. It's a tough conference in the Big 12. And the pressure is immense at Texas. So for Quinn Ewers, I really believe that the best is yet to come for him. I think there's a lot of good football that he's going to play this upcoming season. But this next year, we won't be having the same conversation about his report card. This next year is the year where it's time to deliver. Bijan Robinson's gone. You are now the catalyst for this offense. We need to succeed because of you. You kind of take the backseat a little bit at times last year because you had so much talent at running back. It's not the case this year. Take the next step. Both Quinn Ewers and Texas needs to accomplish that. But again, for me, for Quinn Ewers for 2022, a B plus, not bad for a first year in the saddle. I'm telling you, man, the resources... What they put into it at Texas, there's a lot about that program 
where they are expecting some ROI. Five and seven last year, or two years ago, I guess now, eight and four in the regular season, eight and five, you want to count the bowl game. It is now becoming time for what, what can you bring me? We've built it, right? I, I get it. You, you had to knock it down to build it back up. That's cool. What can you do for me now, Steve Sarkeesian? What can you do for me now, Quinn Ewers? This will be the year where they got to show it. So I'm excited to watch that. Bring it on now, the heavy lifter. Man, the legend. Pride of Owensboro, Kentucky, Nick Brake. Nick, how we doing, my guy? What's up, JD? It's good to see you, man. Um, got a couple good questions today. Go ahead and read those off if you're ready. I'm ready, brother. Okay, uh, first question coming from uh, TJ, who has got the um, Avengers character of Kang in Texas gear, so that's pretty cool mm -hmm. uh, for a nerd like myself. says, who do you think will have the best chance of dethroning Georgia here this season, JD? That's a great question, man. I think the first place you look is the SEC, just because of the sheer talent in that conference. I think Alabama is going to be on a mission. No idea who's playing quarterback. But when I heard David Pollock at halftime of the national championship game look directly at the rest of the guys on that set, including Nick Saban, and say Georgia has taken hold of the sport, you could just feel there was a, a power shift on that desk. There, were, there was something going on within Nick Saban that I was like, oh, man, I don't know if you should have said that. I don't, you, you, that might not have been the most advisable thing to do. A few days later, Pete Golding, defensive coordinator at Alabama, former defensive coordinator at Alabama, I should say, takes the job at Ole Miss. There's more changes coming. Saban is on a mission. Also, Jim Harbaugh saying run that back. I think Michigan is a team to watch for sure. That's their expectation. National title or bust, that's it. I think Alabama, and I think Ohio State maybe not in that order, are the three that I would watch to dethrone. So not the most exciting answer, but that's how I feel. I think Michigan's on a mission, and uh, especially if Ohio State hits at quarterback, they got so many weapons. But yeah, Bama, Michigan, Ohio State, some variation of those three, I think all have the best chance to knock off Bama. Great question, though. I love yeah. it. We, we, it's an Avengers uh, yes. avatar, you said? Uh, it's a, you know, uh, I won't get into the nerd. Um, it's a villain, though. <laughs> I love very it. Very wonderful, love it. interesting villain. Anyway, uh, Vols fan for life, a regular here. Welcome back, Vol fan. Uh, will Tennessee go into the transfer portal to get another quarterback um, due to Jackson transferring to Indiana? Yeah, so Taven Jackson hit the portal. He's gone to Indiana, like you just mentioned, Nick. You got Nico Yamaliava waiting in the wings. It sounds like he's going to... Try and push Joe Milton for that starting spot. Sounds like all spots can be up for competition. Joe Milton put on a show in the Orange Bowl. But the reason why this is a good question is because now the depth is Joe Milton or a true freshman. On paper, at least, that is. If Joe Milton goes down, and you hope that doesn't happen, but just the way the football is, injuries are part of the game, if he goes down, do you feel comfortable handing the reins to a true freshman? Now, that's, again, assuming that Joe Milton wins the job out of camp. I think we'll see them go in the portal. I don't know what caliber kind of player they'll go after in the portal because you're having to pitch, hey, man, you, you're probably going to come here and be a backup. Like, we appreciate you. It's going to be a great experience for you. Probably win a lot of football games. But you're probably going to be a backup and you won't play unless we ask you to. Are you cool with that? So that limits the pool a little bit with who you can draw from. But I do think they'll go into the portal just, again, for the sheer, mention, for the, for the sheer reasoning behind depth. 
So that's a great question, though, Vol fan for life. Glad to have you back mm -hmm. on the party. And uh, yeah, that's I absolutely think they will. Okay, uh, last question. Austin Flowers at Death Star Destroyer. You know, I like that name. There it uh, is, can you talk on why Florida State is such a destination spot and how transfer players are choosing then, them over other schools like Notre Dame, USC, and et cetera? That's a great question. Yeah, I don't know so much if they're choosing them over consistently, like USC and Notre Dame, great programs, have done great in the portal, USC especially this last year. The thing that I think is interesting about Florida State is they're a school that has a history of taking transfers. Like Mike Norvell has done a great job utilizing the portal and making his team better because of it. Johnny Wilson from this last year, Micah Pittman from this last year, guys, I mean, Jared Verse, guys that have come to Florida State and be successful. And I think some of that, I think, uh, will continue to benefit Florida State. Because if I'm a transfer, I want to play and I want to be successful right away. Like, I don't want to mess around. I don't want to have to really, you know, go through the trudgery of, is this going to work? Is this not going to work? At Florida State, you've seen it work for other transfers. You've seen guys come from one program to Florida State, instant success. Now, I wouldn't be so foolish to say, that's just the way that it works because a lot of that happens behind closed doors and a lot of that goes in during practice and film and what you put into it. But at Florida State, if you transfer to that program, there is a proven track record of successful guys having gone that same way. So I think for that reason, that's attractive to a lot of guys in the portal. And Mike Norvell does a great job, obviously, of pitching that to potential transfers. So I, I think Florida State is not wanting to live that way consistently, but in the day and age of the portal, man, it is a non-negotiable. You have to use it to compete at the highest level, unless you're Georgia, where you just recruit at the highest level and you're good from there. But even Georgia, man, we're seeing them take more and more guys. So more and more key guys, I guess, rather. So that's my feel on that. But a great question. And Florida State, I think, could be one of those teams that also you could add to the list of could they dethrone someone in the college football playoff because they are trending in the right direction. So that's how I feel about that, Nick. But is that the last question we got, brother? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Beautiful. That's it. I love it. Yep, we'll see you next time, man. Awesome. Nick, appreciate you, brother. Heavy lifting, as always, making every single thing that you see or happen, folks. If you're on podcast, he's doing everything that you hear happen, okay? A lot of other programs have control rooms and three or four different production assistants or whatever. We have Nick Brake, heavy lifting, all right? So we appreciate him making that happen. Nick, gentleman and a scholar. A great producer so thank you for that if you're not yet subscribed we'd love to have you here like i said college football content it don't take a break man it doesn't and we're so grateful for that we appreciate you for that because y'all are the reason we're able to do this show okay a lot of other shows like i said stop after the game's end not us and we do that like i said because you have the demand for it so we supply it accordingly we're back on air thursday live at one central two eastern it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm sure some other stuff will break before then that we'll talk about. And keep it locked right here. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you're tuned in. We have a lot coming at you. Don't want you to miss any of it. So we appreciate you. We love you. We're going to keep the party rolling. And we will see y'all next time.